And welcome, welcome to the 930 class. We're going to be in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation today. So as soon as you can find a place to sit and hope you've had a chance to get some refreshments. Thank the Lord for, uh, I guess it would be from your pers- perspective, but thank the Lord for me. Thank the Lord for the cool weather. And uh, I know some people like it hot, but uh, the older I got, I don't like it real hot and I don't like it real cold. Yeah, lukewarm, that 72-degree weather, yeah, lukewarm weather. All right, thank you for being here today. Uh, it's going to be a great day in the presence of God. We enjoyed the great service. You could, there's something in the Holy Ghost moving this morning. There was, there was an incredible, incredible excitement in the 830 service today, Michael, sister. There was an incredible excitement in the worship you could sense something in the spirit that God is up to something special. I've been around, I've been serving the Lord long enough and in the ministry long enough to know that when these moments begin to happen, you feel this little stirring, God's up to something. That God is up to something. So you need to just get, let your faith, good, something good is about to happen. Amen. Let your faith, something good is about to happen. So let your faith be released in the word of the Lord today and be, and be blessed. Amen. Amen. In the book of Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 13. Now, I'm going to uh, spend some time before we actually go through this verse by verse. I'm going to spend some time starting today to talk a little bit about the main character of this chapter, which is what we call uh, the beast or the Antichrist. That name, he has several names in Scripture, the lawless one. Um, there's a, a lot of detail in the Bible. Uh, we will probably, this Sunday and then the next week, we will probably go back a little bit to the book of Daniel and Hosea and some in Ezekiel to pick up on some of the information. If you were to take all of the words, all the scriptures, and string them together that have to do uh, with this man, this personage, that the Bible is going to refer to here as an, this strange beast. As a matter of fact, when we do read these verses, you're going to find out that the description of the Antichrist will not be like any other description of any other beast ever listed in the Bible. Even when you go back to Daniel chapter 7, 8, and 9, and the visions that the, that the king and Daniel had, and that incredible image that stood up, and, uh, and of course the head was gold, that's, but that's how, that's how the king saw it. The king saw it as gold, himself as gold, the king of Babylon. When Daniel saw it, Daniel saw the true nature. And the church has to be very careful in these days. You need not, not, not to just see the heads of gold. You need to see the true nature, the true nature, the spiritual nature. Daniel had understanding in his day. He wasn't fooled by this, this beast or, or this image, this mighty image that stood up on its feet. It had a, it, the king described it as a head of gold, silver, chest of silver. Remember that? Thighs of brass, legs, legs of iron, and, then, and, and, and feet of iron and clay. That's what, that's what the king saw. Daniel said, no, 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 no. He saw the true nature. That's not a hit. That gold, that's not gold. That's a ferocious lion. That's a lion. 
that's a bear, that's a leopard. And then he calls the last, gener- he calls the last of these four world powers. God will only recognize, I don't have time to go into that today because I've talked to this before, but God will only recognize, God will only recognize four world powers, four world powers, and the revival of the old Roman Empire, which has already been going on now for, for a whole bunch of years, even predating the beginning of the United Nations, which has actually been a, one of the saddest things for America, uh, the United Nations on our own soil, dictating to our own people, and uh, the United Nations will be a tool of the Antichrist, of course. But when Daniel looked at this last beast, this last beast, when Daniel, in the ninth chapter of Daniel, looked at this last beast, and he looked at a, he looked at a, he just calls him a terrible beast. That's how Daniel referred to him, a terrible beast. Now, why, what, you think about Daniel's living in his day. Daniel was, knew what a lion was. Daniel knew what a bear was. Daniel knew what a leopard was. And so he could describe three of these uh, world powers and give them the characteristics of these types of animals, a lion, bear, and a leopard. But when he saw the last world power that would come to be in, in, a, in place during the rule of the Antichrist, he just simply referred to him as a terrible beast. In other words, he could not, he did not have any knowledge, nor could, did the Spirit of God give him any reference to what and how ferocious this last beast would be. But we do get to see that here in the book of Revelation, uh, the 13th chapter. Let me just open uh, the, the lesson today uh, with, with these verses. <clears throat> And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Now, now John is back on the earth. John has moved between heaven and earth at least twice during these chapters. And now the Lord has taken him back to the earth. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns... Ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon, which would be the devil, gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Great authority. So, This is the introduction we have in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation concerning the Antichrist. Uh, The beast, he said, represented, uh, resembled a leopard. We'll talk more about the ten horns and seven heads and the ten crowns a little bit later on. Uh, It is an incredible, unlike any other animal we've ever seen. So in in the golden rule of interpretation in Scripture... This is the golden rule that's been laid, set down by Bible scholars throughout the centuries. Is this, when plain sense of the scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. So if it's, you look at it and it makes sense, yes, that's what it means, then accept it, that is what it means. But because the plain sense of this passage does not make common sense, we have to seek 
So what he's talking about is since there are no seven-headed animals, there are no seven-headed animals in the world. Never been discovered an animal that has seven heads. So this cannot be speaking of a physical, literal animal. So we've got to take it now that it means something else. So it is a type. This seven-headed beast is not a living animal like a bear or, 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 or lion. It actually refers to something else. So uh, there's much controversy to the identity of this beast. Some would have us believe this is a religious organization simply because in chapter 17 we're going to find out uh, that the scarlet woman astride a similar beast. Others would have us to believe that this beast is a kingdom and not a king. Uh, but in Daniel 7, Daniel 2, and then coming back to the words of Jesus in Matthew 24 and 25, and then back to Revelation 13, we're going to see that this beast that's with the seven heads is, is, is both. It is a kingdom and a king. And sometimes when you read what's happening in the 13th chapter going forward, sometimes it will speak of the kingdom of the Antichrist. And some of the things that will be alluded to are to the kingdom of the Antichrist. And other times it will be the person of the Antichrist. Now, the Antichrist will do incredible evil and wickedness. We're going to talk a little bit about his identity. But I just want to throw something out for you that, that when I first discovered this many, many years ago in the Scripture, it, it, it actually just kind of took me, took me back a little bit. We all know that there will be a white throne judgment, and the Bible said that, that the living, the, the dead and living will stand before the, the white throne judgment to be judged. Not that the, the church will already have been before the judgment seat of Christ in the fourth chapter. White throne judgment will not apply to you and I if we're saved. Thank God for that. That will, the, the wicked dead uh, will stand there, and they'll, those people will be judged. We will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, and we will. Paul said this, remember in the book, book of Thessalonians, he said in 1 Thessalonians, he said, he encourages, he said, there remains for me a crown of life whom God has reserved for me in heaven, and not me only, but all those who love his appearing. Remember that? And then remember in the, in the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, when we see the church, they've got crowns on their heads, and they finally cast those crowns at Jesus' feet. I love that. I love that because the church, that indicates that the church has already been judged, got their crowns. You wouldn't have the crowns to cast at his feet. If he, the crown of life that he's way, laid up for you. So they've already got their crowns in, first, in the fourth chapter, okay? But here's, here's what's really interesting to me. When we get over here a little bit further, there's two, there, there's, there's three key personages on the evil side in this book. One, of course, is Lucifer, the devil, that dragon. Number two is the Antichrist, who will slaughter millions uh, of this world, who will do the... The Bible says who do evil beyond anything that anyone's ever done on this planet. Number three is called the false prophet. That's another personage. We will try to identify at least the, the, the kingdom of that personage. That personage will cause the whole world to be drunk on the, on the blood of the saints. That, that, that leader, that religious leader that is to come, an apostate ecumenical church leader, that is to come will be called the false prophet who will cause 
everybody to worship the beast. He will lead a false church to worship the beast. He will cause untold damage to this earth. My point is this. The white throne judgment where everybody has to stand and give an account. The Bible says that the Antichrist, the Antichrist, and the false prophet will be cast before the white throne judgment is cast into the lake of fire. These two men will not go to the white throne. Their evil and their sin will be so great, they will not stand before the white throne judgment of God. They will be cast into hell and the fire before the white throne. Only two people on this whole planet ever will be born that won't stand before the white throne will go straight to hell without any judgment will be the Antichrist and this personage called the false prophet. And we'll, we'll talk more about, about him, him later. Um, the characteristics of this beast as observed by John are strange. He has seven heads, ten horns, and crowns on each horn. Each head has on it a blasphemous name. The beast has a body like a leopard, feet like a bear, lion, mouth like a lion. The source of his power and authority is the devil himself. And, of course, the ten horns obviously correspond to the ten toes. Remember when we did the 70th week of Daniel, I drew out uh, on the screen and, and I gave you a, a drawing of the image. I laid the image down, and then there was the ten toes. There were ten toes on that beast. Those ten toes will represent the ten kingdoms or ten na nations or, nation or national groups. It could be more than ten countries that some of these countries may become a part of another country, but there'll be, there'll be ten, ten country groups that will be in existence that will give power uh, to the Antichrist. Remember I told you that the Antichrist will not come in and, 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 and win that battle with, with armies and with military, he'll do it with deception. He will have the answer. He'll have the answer to, to Ebola. He'll have the answer to AIDS. He'll have the answer to everything that's going on. He will have a political and answer and agenda. He will have an economic agenda. Obviously, the, the world is preparing for a one-world economy right now. We are, well, let me just say that we are already in a one-world economy. Our, our stock market failed 400 points this, this week this past week, not because of anything going on here, but just because of the rumor that, that European nations may be facing bankruptcy again. Just on the very rumor of that, we dropped 400 points. So we're already a world economy. You know, you want, you know we used to say we, we want to buy American. Well, you can't, it's very little you can buy American anymore because even our American products have foreign-made products in them, everything from your medicine to your automobiles. So to buy American that's almost unheard of now because of such an international market and a one-world economy, which will become stronger and stronger. That's why by the time the Antichrist does get here in that three and a half years into the tribulation period, when he breaks his covenant with the Jewish people, sets himself up as God to be worshipped, and then the mark of the beast will come forth. And at that point, uh, you can't buy nor sell without the number of his mark being in your hand or your forehead. And we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, we're going to talk, I, I want to save, save this ten, ten heads 
and these ten, and, 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 and the seven heads and the seven mounts. And we'll talk a little bit. Of, we're going to talk a little bit about Rome. We're going to talk about the Roman system. We're going to talk about the Roman church a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll go into that a little bit later. Um, first of all, there's a lot of uh, information uh, uh, out there, and I want to just get to a couple of things here. Verse 1 indicates that the beast rose up out of the sea. Now, uh, in, since, since, this is a, since the beast is described as not being a, a beast that we're aware of, so it has to be the, it has to be the type of something, then the, the word sea here doesn't mean that this animal-like man came up out of the sea. The word sea here indicates a sea of people. Uh, there's three different places in Scripture you'll find that, that, the, that, that men are, and, and great populations are referred to as a sea. So it's speaking of that Mediterranean area, those nations around the Mediterranean area. Out of that area of people, this, this beast comes up out of this sea uh, the sea of people, um, and so it is. It will be. Uh, it will be the darkest hour for the whole world. Remember, I talked a little bit last week about the the devil sending a flood, or the antichrist, the devil sending a flood of water to try to wipe out the last remaining uh, remnant of the Jewish people, which will not happen. Uh, so this is this is coming. Uh, this is coming forth. Um, Let me get to my next set of notes here. Now, <clears throat> the scripture said from this point on that, that every, everybody will worship the beast. At this, from this point on, it looks like there, there, will, there, there will still be a few conversions. To Christianity, to Christ Jesus during this period of time. Most of the conversion to Christianity will happen in the first three and a half years. By now, most of the people that, have, that are going to make a decision for Christ will have. The, the, the last test for that will be at the mark of the beast. Will there be some who do not take the mark of the beast? The Bible says there will be. So it looks like that one of the last, maybe not the last altar call, but like one of the last altar calls. Remember, this is the, the overall overshadowing all of this incredible wrath and terrible things that's going to take place in the tribulation period. That's still overshadowed with the fact that God is not willing. It, it is not, not the heart of God. This, this is not God's plan for the God's plan for this earth that everybody, every man would come to repentance and have everlasting life. The, 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 the heartbreak of God in this period of time when many, many millions of people will seal their eternal doom, seal their eternal doom. Up to this point, you had a free will. You could, you could, you could, you could say yes or no. But after, these, after the world takes the mark of the beast, the Scripture tells us those who take the mark of the beast are doomed and damned for the lake of fire. There's no changing. There's no repentance. There's no... There's no remedy, there's no coming, there's no, there's no grace that's available now. Once that mark is placed either in your head or forehand, once that takes place and once you decide to serve and your allegiance is to the Antichrist, to the false prophet, and to, to Lucifer, there's no more hope for you. 
No more hope for, the, for those people. Now, the people who do not take the mark, there's two different things will happen. Some of them will be killed, the Bible says, with a sword. Others of them will flee and will flee and will hide. And, 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 and maybe there are remote places in the, in the world that they may, may survive. Understanding this, that when the Lord comes at the end of the seven years with his church and the army and the Antichrist army is destroyed, understand this, that the thousand-year earth begins, the thousand-year millennia earth, and many of the people who come into that mortals, mortals, the church will not be mortal now, will be immortal, but there will be mortals on this planet, and most of them, most of them will have taken the mark of the beast. And so the scripture says at the beginning of the mark of the beast that Christ will rule and reign from Jerusalem and will have to rule with a rod of iron, which means at the very beginning of that, that there will be, there will be the enemies uprising. There will be the enemy still trying to fight. But, but now the world is in charge. Jesus is now enthroned as king of this planet. Amen. And every uprising will be put down and the church will have a glorious future just on this planet for a thousand years, not to mention what will happen for the rest of eternity. Isn't that, isn't that pretty incredible? Amen. All right. Um, I just think it's, in, in, it's incredible uh, when we see the stage being set. Now, I mentioned this morning a little bit, that, the, that, the, that, and I'll talk about this a little bit in my sermon, because the enemy wants to bring fear. Uh, and I'm going to talk about where I believe the work we are right now, why I, I believe that our greatest anointing, the season of our greatest anointing is imminent. The season of the greatest anointing that the church has ever known, that you've ever had in your personal life is imminent. I'm going to tell you why I believe that in the 1030 service. Amen. I'm also going to tell you, Amen. That just like God warned all of his prophets and all of his people throughout the time, don't look at this world. Don't, don't keep your eyes. You've got to keep your eyes on the word. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You've got to, because, amen, the, 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 everything in this world right now is generated through the news media and every other way is to bring fear. The, is to bring fear to the church, bring fear to, you know, well, this, another Ebola, this happened, and, and, and ISIS. The, the reason that ISIS puts, on, puts out these horrendous videos, they understand that if they can produce fear, if people see those videos and they say, oh, my, that we can't stand up against this. We, people, people, are in, in, people in Iraq and Syria are laying down their arms and embracing this, hor this horrendous beast of ISIS simply because of the fear that they have produced uh, in, in the nations of the world. The devil knows that if he can get the church to be afraid and fear, that not only does it shake our faith, but it can hinder the flow of the anointing that God is trying right now to impart to his church. And I'll, I'll talk more about that uh, in, the, in, the 1030, in the 1030 service. But I'm just telling you, that with all that's going on in the world right now, the stage is being set. The stage is being set. We, we, we can talk a lot about the electronics. We can talk a lot about techni the, the technological advances of the, of, of, of the earth. And we will spend some time when we get to the mark of the beast talking a little bit about that. But could I just tell you right now, with all that's been set in place, this did not catch God off guard. This was God saw the end from the beginning. 
and understand something. He said, he said, my people have not been appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation and delivers, delivers will come to the body of Christ and the greatest anointing. This is what you, we, I've already taught you this, but the greatest anointing will, will begin just before the rapture of the church, whether that's years, months, or days. And it will then flow over to that first three and a half years of the tribulation period so that more people are going to be saved. More people will be saved in this coming revival, beginning what I believe is immediately that's already beginning and moving all the way up to the coming of Jesus at the rapture. And then it'll go on past that to the first three and a half years. And the Bible says concerning that number of people, that it will be a number that no man can number of every nation, tribe, tongue, and, and people who will stand before God. So I'm just telling you that the naysayers and the people who said revival is behind us and revival is over. It just haven't yet read the, the back of the book because we've read the back of the book and we win. We've read the back of the book. And there will be revival. We read the back of the book, and there will be glory. The third thing I want to remind you again of today is knowing these things that's coming up on the earth, knowing these things, how ought we, Paul, how ought we to live in this present world, knowing these things. It ought to make us better soul winners. It ought to make us stronger in our faith. It ought to make us pray more, worship more, be more faithful, be more committed to the things of God. Knowing these things are already beginning to come to pass in our world. Even if, and the, and the coming of the Lord is nigh. But let's just say, even if, if the coming of the Lord is not for a, for a few more years off, nobody knows the day nor the hour, but we do know the times and the seasons. And we can say without, without manipulation that we are in the season of the last days of the coming of the Lord. The imminent return of the Lord could take place today. There is nothing. If I understand Scripture and, 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 and reading all the scholars I've tried to read after, if I understand Scripture, there is not one thing now left that has to be fulfilled other than evangelism. To prevent the coming of Jesus. Think about that with me. That's pretty amazing, Robert. That the, only, the biggest job of the church right now ought to be soul winning. That ought to be the biggest job of the church is winning the lost. Bringing our families to Jesus. Bringing our cities to Jesus. Listen, I'm still expecting the entire city councils. I'm, I'm expecting right here in Garland. I'm expecting the Holy Ghost to flood a city council meeting here. People get saved, right? I'm, I'm expecting entire cities to come to Jesus overnight. I'm expecting to see, amen, in, in entire medical communities. I'm expecting to see hospitals, amen, the glory of God fall in a, in a, in a staff meeting in a hospital. I'm expecting to see what God said would happen in the last days. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon all flesh. Hallelujah. Praise God. So knowing that we're in the last days, knowing that, that, that there is, that the rising of the Antichrist. Now, think about this, and I'm going to close with this because I, don't, I, I can't go any further without keeping you another hour. So knowing, knowing where we are, knowing what's, that, that, that you think about when, when Peter and Paul wrote their books in the New Testament, Here's what they said. They said, 
the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, is with us now. They, something was going on, Jeannie, 2,000 years ago when Paul was still writing the Scriptures that caused him to say, the spirit of Antichrist is here now. Jesus has only been gone 70 years, and there are spirits of Antichrist already strong in the earth. Strong in the earth. Can you imagine that spiritual seed that has produced every evil, ungodly event that's taken place since their, their day has been driven by the spirit of Antichrist. But that's why this beast coming up in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation will be unlike any before because it will be the culmination. It will be everything that was for the last 2,000 years Hatred of God, hatred of God's people will all be in this one man. One man. Who will he be? Where will he come from? Does the Bible give us any clues to his nationality? Yes. Does the Bible give us any clues to some of his ability? Yes. And we'll talk about that next week. I'm going to give you a list I'm going to actually type out the list so you can have them. I'm going to give you a list of, of things that you can know about the Antichrist. Now, do we know who he is? Well, some people think they do. <laughs> do we know who he is? I don't think so. I don't think so. Will he be revealed before the church leaves? Maybe, but maybe, maybe he won't reveal, my opinion, he will not be revealed before the church leaves as the Antichrist. We may know about this incredible leader emerging in the world that we could say, okay, this could, this could be, this could be him. Where will he come from? He'll come from the Middle East. We can show you that in Scripture. We can show that in Scripture. Amen. So, is the Antichrist alive in the world today? I would think he is. If, if what we know about Scripture is true, then I would think that the Antichrist is alive right now, ha, is being trained by Lucifer. Antichrist, think of that name. He will be everything opposite of Jesus. And yet the devil and the devil, you know this is, this is where this ends. God was manifest in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. The devil, as the closest the devil will ever get to manifesting himself in a fleshly body will be in the person of the Antichrist. And he will empower this man not only to come back from the dead, he's going to get killed and going to come back from the dead, but he will empower this man by the spirit of the devil to raise the dead, do miracles. He will duplicate all the miracles of Christ. He will multiply in nations that need food, he will multiply food as, as, as with magic powers. This man will be on the, he, he will be so incredibly fantastic and so incredibly loved by the world that even the nation of Israel will believe that he is their long-waited Messiah. So with all this on the stage, curtains are being drawn. The last scene of history is before us. 
It's time for the church. You know what you ought to, we ought to be doing? We ought to be doing. We ought to be praying like we've never prayed. We ought to be worshiping like crazy people. Why? To help bring the glory of God to play on this earth. Because there are people in your neighborhood. There's people in my neighborhood. If something doesn't happen, I've got neighbors. My neighbors and all around, all of my neighbors are saved. Everybody that lives around. Then I've got the two neighbors on that side and the neighbor on this far side across the industry are, are heathen. Just, they just live like the devil. I witness to them. Just and I try to reach out to them. I'm just telling you, you've got neighbors and I've got neighbors. And if we don't touch them, if something doesn't happen to their life, they will end up in hell. But we have the opportunity to shake the foundations of hell. I just love this and I'm done with this. I'm, I'm closing. We've got prayer meeting. In the 16th chapter of the book of Matthew, <clears throat> Jesus asked a question. You heard this sermon before. Who, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they say, well, some say you're Isaiah, and some say you're Elijah, and some say you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. He said, but whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. <laughs> Jesus said, blessed art thou. <laughs> blessed art thou, Simon, but Jonah, but because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but this didn't come. This came, what you got came from heaven. This revelation that you've got came from, it didn't, man can't give you this. This came from heaven. And I say unto you, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not Peter, but the rock of the foundation of the truth that you just proclaimed, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That's another good scripture for a pre-trib rapture because, because that promise is not given to that tribulation time. But the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. And I'm just telling you, this: no matter what they say, or what's going on in this world, just remember, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And if God be for you, who can be against you? And we are going to win some people to Jesus. We're going to heal some people, set some people free. Hallelujah. And see the glory of God. Because I'm telling you, and I'm going to preach about this in the 10th Thunder service, we are entering into the season of the greatest anointing for the church. Hallelujah. You say, why, why is that? Well, I'll tell you. But one reason is we need it. For what we got to do, we got to have it. We got to have it. Amen. Praise God. The Lord bless you, Brother Dennis Labonte. I know that you all are praying for him. His precious and sweet little sister Beverly Labonte uh, is going to be with Jesus. And, and we're, Brother Dennis and I was there when, when, she, when she went to be with the Lord. And, and that precious moment when, when even though she had been uh, it's okay if we talk about this, Brother Dennis. I know what, she had been unresponsive and, and, and for, for, for several days. But uh, just in those last few moments, and we were all around her, and Brother Dennis was just saying, Beverly, I love you. I love you. The most incredible thing happened. The most incredible thing happened. She turned her eyes toward Dennis to the sound of his voice. And with a trach in her throat, she couldn't speak. But we watched her mouth the word, and we saw her tongue say, I love you too. 
yeah, yeah. Just a special gift. Yeah. Amen. The memorial service is tomorrow night at 7 o'clock here at the Abundant Life Church. Tomorrow night at 7. So we'd appreciate you being here to support Brother Dennis. He and Sister Beverly have been a part of this church for years and years and years. And they're special, special people. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord today.